This is the Return to Order Moment with Edwin Benson. Bringing you insights, analysis, and information for a culture in crisis. All Christians must fight anti-Catholicism in the modern world. Before we begin this episode of the Return to Order podcast, we wish to read the following short statement. Taking a principled and not a personal stand. As practicing Catholics, we are filled with compassion and pray for those who struggle against violent temptation to sin, be it homosexual sin or otherwise. We are conscious of the enormous difference between these individuals who struggle with their weaknesses and strive to overcome them, and others who transform their sin into a reason for pride and try to impose their lifestyle on society as a whole, in flagrant opposition to traditional Christian morality and natural law. However, we pray for them too. According to the expression attributed to St. Augustine, we hate the sin but love the sinner. And to love the sinner, as the same doctor of the church explains, is to wish for him the best we can possibly desire for ourselves, namely, quote, that he may love God with a perfect affection, unquote. Despite several clear warnings against homosexual sin in the Bible, many groups that call themselves religious race to conform to the demands of the LGBT movement. The Catholic Church has resisted. This resistance has earned Catholics the enmity of these so-called activists. The social revolutionaries control most of the media. This combination has sparked a new and very often overt form of anti-Catholicism. Mr. Michael Whitcraft described it in his essay, A Wave of Anti-Catholic Bigotry Sweeps America. Protest now! A homosexual hate group has gained prominence in recent weeks as public institutions have awarded it official recognition. This is drawing it out of the shadows of seedy red-light districts and into the mainstream formerly protected by the norms that permit decent families and individuals to exist in society. Worse yet, the group's perversity is almost exclusively directed at mocking the spotless bride of Christ, the Catholic Church. This represents the officialization of perversion and anti-Catholic bigotry. As such, it must be opposed by all peaceful and lawful means. Being that morality is the very foundation of civilization, the existence of society itself is at stake. This group calls itself the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. It originated on Easter Day, 1979, when three homosexual men put on traditional nun habits, grabbed a machine gun, and went, thus clad, to visit a nude beach. Since then, they have engaged in continuously sexually charged blasphemy, so vile that it should not be mentioned. Even the names they assume are pornographic. They carry out mock canonization ceremonies in which they dub as saints those who have promoted the homosexual agenda. 
One individual the group has honored this way is known pedophile Harvey Milk. This should come as no surprise, since the group regularly invites children to its events. For years, they manned the gates at San Francisco's Folsom Street Fair, where they welcomed children of all ages, in spite of the fact that the event has long been known for public sex acts and nudity. In 2009, the event even had a booth for a company called Fetish Tots, selling bondage gear for toddlers. As stated above, the main focus of most of the so-called sisters' activities is to blaspheme the Catholic Church. These include pole dancing around a crucifix, performing public sex acts between individuals dressed like Our Lord and the Blessed Mother, hosting a yearly Hunky Jesus and Foxy Mary Beauty contest, and mocking the Stations of the Cross by hosting a drunken pub crawl to 13 different homosexual bars where men dressed as Our Lady and St. Mary Magdalene shout sexually encouraging words to a man dressed as Our Lord. As bad as these are, Many of the group's activities are much worse, but inappropriate to describe. What can one expect from an organization whose sacrilegious model is go and sin some more? In spite of the group's onslaught against all things Catholic, they have been repeatedly honored this month in California. First, California State Senator Scott Weiner invited one of the group's activists to be honored at the state capitol. Senate Republicans wrote a letter to President Pro Tem Tony Akins asking that the invitation be rescinded, but Senate Democrats rejected the Republicans' request. They preferred to continue with the ceremony that they knew was deeply offensive to Catholics. To their credit, Every member of the Republican caucus left the floor before the award was given, while hundreds of protesters outside the Capitol prayed in reparation. Next, Anaheim Mayor Ashley Aitken invited members of the hate group as her personal guests to attend the Anaheim Angel baseball team's Pride Night, which was hosted on June 7th. Joining the wave of anti-Catholic bigotry, the Los Angeles Dodgers nominated the offensive group to receive a so-called Citizen Hero Award at their June 16th Pride Night baseball game. Shortly thereafter, the team administration rescinded the invitation due to an overflow of protest letters that they received. Subsequently, though, they bowed to woke pressure, issued an apology to the hate group, and re-invited them to be awarded at the game. To add insult to injury, the event took place on June 16th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Considering the disastrous outcome of similar actions by companies like Target and Anheuser-Busch, some question whether or not the team's decision to award perversion was based on business considerations alone. Indeed, it would seem that something more sinister is at play. 
For decades, establishment forces have waged a war against Catholicism. This is evidenced from initiatives aimed at forcing priests to violate the seal of confession, the FBI attempts to infiltrate traditional Catholic parishes, the Democrat Party officially removing God from its platform, the removal of Ten Commandments monuments, banning the Bible and prayer from schools, and so much more. This indefensible decision of the Dodgers fits neatly into a growing movement to annihilate what little remains of Christian civilization in America. Fortunately, several clergymen and other public figures have raised their voices in protest. San Francisco Archbishop Salvatore Cordiglione wrote, quote, Our Catholic sisters devote themselves to serving others selflessly. Decent people would not mock and blaspheme them. Now we know what gods the Dodger administration worships. Open desecration and anti-Catholicism is not disqualifying. Disappointing, but not surprising. Gird your loins. Unquote. In response to Mayor Aitken's invitation to the sisters to be her special guest at the Angels game, the Diocese of Orange, headed by Bishop Kevin Van, published a statement saying, quote, The decision to openly embrace a group whose demeaning behavior is anti-Catholic and anti-Christian is misguided and disrespectful to the sisters of the Catholic Church who minister in Orange County and selflessly dedicate their lives to God's underserved people. We cannot condone any actions that have historically shown such high levels of disregard for the sincerely held beliefs of the faithful. Unquote. Even Bishop Robert Barron of the Winona Rochester Diocese, who has been criticized for endorsing a book written by homosexual sin promoter Father James Martin, weighed in, saying, quote, Friends, it's hard to imagine anything more offensive than some of the behavior of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, which I think can only be described as an anti-Catholic hate group. Unquote. Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler not only urged his more than 100,000 Twitter followers to, quote, Please speak against this evil being promoted at Dodger Stadium, unquote, but will be flying to Los Angeles to attend a protest of the event. Bishop Donald Hying of Madison forcefully said, quote, Let's call out this for what it is, anti-Catholic bigotry and offense against God, unquote. Politicians Mike Pence and Marco Rubio and baseball players Trevor Williams and Clayton Kershaw also weighed in against the Dodgers' decision. Initially, the Los Angeles Archdiocese urged Catholics to stand up for their faith, issuing a statement that read, quote, The Archdiocese calls on all Catholics and people of goodwill to stand against bigotry and hate in any form, and to stand for respect for one another and for the religious beliefs of our communities of faith. Unquote. These words encouraged the group 
Catholics for Catholics, and other co-sponsoring organizations to continue with their plans to organize a prayer vigil of protest outside of Dodger Stadium during the Pride Night game. Much to their chagrin, Bishop Gerald Wilkerson, Episcopal Vicar for the San Fernando Pastoral Region, issued a June 9th memorandum to the priests and deacons of his area that stated, quote, I am aware that some groups are planning various kinds of protests regarding the Dodgers' Pride Night. Please note that none of these has the backing or approval of the Los Angeles Archdiocese. We have decided to take a step back and hope for a dialogue with all relevant parties. Unquote. Organizers did not let this discourage them. They will continue to push ahead with the event, conserving the hope that the Archdiocese will have a change of heart. On June 13th, Jesse Romero gave an impassioned plea to this effect. On the air with fellow Catholic leader Terry Barber, he said, quote, Terry Barber and myself are asking, as faithful sons of the church, for Archbishop Gomez to come out with us and lead us like a general. Unquote. The officializing of anti-Catholic bigotry is becoming omnipresent, and an open persecution of the faith is already beginning. Catholics must resist. Prayer is essential, but it is not enough. In the words of Archbishop Cordiglione, it is time for them to gird their loins. First, they should encourage all Catholic clergymen to stand strong and lead the faithful in these difficult times. They should pray incessantly that bishops and priests find the strength to fulfill their duty before God and man. Second, they should encourage the culture by appearing as Catholics publicly openly praying before meals at restaurants, defending the faith when it is denigrated, dressing modestly, protesting offenses against the faith, and getting involved with groups that publicly resist anti-Catholic bigotry are powerful tools at their disposal. Last, they must boycott the Dodgers, and, to the extent that it is possible, all companies that denigrate the church and her doctrines. The financial devastation being experienced by Target, Anheuser-Busch, and others prove how effective this type of protest can be. May God and His Most Pure Mother bless their efforts and save America. Despite the disappointing reactions of the church's officialdom in Los Angeles, many Catholics turned out to protest the Dodgers Award. Mr. John Paul Fabrizio described the protest in his essay, Supernatural Forces Clash at Dodger Stadium. On June 16, 2023, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, between two and 3,000 Catholics united outside of Dodger Stadium to protest and make reparation for the blasphemous actions of the so-called drag nuns. Quote, 
The present crisis spreads or unfolds by the very order of things in all powers of the soul, all fields of culture, and in the end, all realms of human action. Unquote. These words were written 64 years ago by TFP founder Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira in his great work, Revolution and Counter-Revolution. Recent events have outlined the prophetic character of these words. Immorality, vulgarity, and even blasphemy have become so mainstream that finding anything not affected by them is practically impossible. The disgrace at Dodger Stadium is a perfect example. There, arguably the greatest promotion of blasphemy in American history took place at nothing less than a baseball game. The story began three weeks before, when the Los Angeles Dodgers invited the so-called Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to be honored at their Pride Night. However, this was worse than the customary promotion of the homosexual agenda so frequent today. These drag nuns, whose name itself is blasphemous, mock and denigrate the Catholic faith in every way imaginable. This is not surprising, considering the following excerpt from their mission statement. Quote, We use humor and irreverent wit to expose the forces of bigotry, complacency, and guilt that chain the human spirit. Unquote. Naturally, countless Catholics were offended that the Dodgers planned to award such anti-Catholic behavior with a Citizen Hero Award. As a result, faithful from across the country demanded that the Dodgers revoke the invitation. Many phone calls and letters informed the Dodger administration that believers refused to be mocked. In addition, several petition drives appeared across the Internet. At first, it seemed like their pious plea was heard. The Dodgers released an apology stating, quote, This year, as part of a full night of programming, we invited a number of groups to join us. We are now aware that our inclusion of one group in particular, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, in this year's Pride Night has been the source of some controversy. Given the strong feelings of people who have been offended by the sisters' inclusion in our evening, and in an effort not to distract from the great benefits that we have seen over the years of Pride Night, we are deciding to remove them from this year's group of honorees. Unquote. However, this decision did not last long. Leftists began to protest the reversal labeling it an ill-considered act of hate. The Dodgers, afraid to step on any woke toes, issued another apology, this time to the hate group, saying, quote, 
After much thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, honest conversations with the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, members of the LGBTQ plus community, and their friends and families, unquote. This caused the reaction to intensify. The group Catholics for Catholics, together with activist and Los Angeles native Jesse Romero, organized a protest outside Dodger Stadium during the game. Local Catholics and others from the Northeast, Southwest, Midwest, and even Canada promised to fly to Los Angeles to protest the honoring of one of the worst blasphemies of modern days. Thus, on June 16th, the Feast of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, between two and 3,000 faithful united outside of Dodger Stadium to make a public act of reparation. The rally began in a parking lot adjacent to the stadium. There, a massive crowd gathered, armed with banners, signs, and rosaries. Pious hymns and cries of Viva Cristo Rey filled the air, creating an exorcistic effect. Following a presentation from the TFP band and a series of speeches by public figures, including Bishop Joseph Strickland of Tyler, Texas, the rally participants marched uphill and stationed themselves in front of the stadium's main entrance. All four corners of the intersection were packed with protesters, forcing the majority of those entering the stadium to confront the issue. As they stood for over two hours, they endured heckling from attendees entering the stadium. Horrible blasphemies filled the air along with middle fingers. Curses were spewed at the protesters, including young children. The prayer warriors continued undaunted responding only by intensifying their prayers. Due to the size of the crowd, several rosaries were said simultaneously. In addition, Marian hymns such as Hail Holy Queen and Immaculate Mary were sung by hundreds. The protest received heavy media coverage. Interviewers and cameramen circulated continuously, anxious to cover the large event. Three helicopters could be seen overhead, providing news stations with an aerial view of the massive gathering. Various outlets, including Fox News, ESPN, ABC, USA News, NBC News, and the Los Angeles Times published articles immediately. The rally had left its mark. This brought great joy to those praying outside the stadium. Seeing that their goal had been accomplished and the baseball game had begun, they concluded the rally over four hours after it had begun. This monumental event teaches three lessons. First, there is no hiding from the contemporary crisis. The left has become so brazen that even greater blasphemies loom on the horizon. As the Dodgers game demonstrated, these will be promoted in the most unlikely venues. Second, the evils of the day must not be ignored. 
That is precisely how they become normalized, leading to the promotion of other perversities. It took the so-called sisters 44 years to reach their current prominence. One can only imagine what they will be after another 44 if Catholics do not resist. Finally, this rally destroyed the myth that protests are not effective. Orthodox Catholicism might be a minority, but they are a force to be reckoned with. They forced this issue into national headlines. Millions of Americans were informed concerning just how radical the left has become. Bishops, political figures, and baseball players alike all felt the need to comment on what became a hot-button issue. This was possible only because Catholics united to react vigorously. If this reaction had not occurred, the left would be emboldened to promote similar events across the country. However, now they must tread more carefully. They know they are facing an enemy that is not afraid to resist. Professor Plinio Correa de Oliveira once said, quote, In times of great crisis, there are two types of men, those who are overwhelmed by the crisis and those who rise up to resist the trend of events and so change the course of history. The rally in Los Angeles is proof that the actions of Catholics have a tremendous impact. However, they must not stop here. There are many other evils plaguing America, such as abortion, the transgender mutilation of children, euthanasia, and even public Satanism. They must continue to challenge these evils and force the devil's army to retreat. After all, it is only by drawing the battle lines that the fight between good and evil can take place. They can do it. They can win this battle. They must rise up and change the course of history. Of course, the leftist hatred of Catholics is nothing new. In 2020, Return to Order author Mr. John Horvat described 17 reasons why the left hates the Catholic faith. As leftist activism and violence increase, Americans must understand that the leftist agenda represents not just a political movement, but a worldview contrary to that of the Catholic faith. Wherever the left has dominated, a radical hatred toward the faith and those who belong to it is displayed. However, until the left is in control, this anti-Catholic hatred is kept in check and hidden. Leftist propaganda couches itself in terms that seek sympathy and not raise alarm. This deception makes itself even more dangerous. The leftist hostility toward religion manifests itself in many ways, whether it be Antifa militants burning Bibles or the religious left that dresses up its Marxist ideas in religious terms. 
In an attempt to legitimize their call for violent revolution, for example, so-called liberation theologians propose a Christian version of the class struggle. Today, the leftist movement is radicalizing by proposing an agenda with new communist ideals and goals opposed to traditional church teaching about God, society, and human nature. The left now incorporates postmodern thought into its twisted body of doctrine. Communism today goes beyond the Soviet state capitalism of old and embraces gender theory and identity politics, so contrary to the church's teaching on creation. This leftist vision threatens America and its love for freedom. The faithful need to be fully aware of the extent of this hatred to fight effectively against the left's nefarious agenda. There are many reasons that the left hates the Catholic faith. The following list of 17 reasons serves as an introduction to understanding the scope of the fight between these two opposing worldviews. 1. The left hates the notion of a transcendent and personal God. These attributes are the opposite of its Gnostic and egalitarian vision. Since the left hates all superiority, it considers an almighty and loving God oppressive. Instead, the left identifies with Satan, the devil, an inferior created being, a damned angel, and the supposed victim of the Creator's eternal justice, and thus, one who is, as the leftists say, oppressed, disenfranchised, discriminated against, and marginalized to the peripheries. 2. The left hates the Church's moral law, which is based on natural law, a set of objective societal norms valid for all times, places, and peoples. The left teaches that morality is relative. If it feels good, do it, was the hippie rallying cry, and promotes its own set of evolving norms on everything that favors its revolution. 3. The left hates the church's concept as the family as society's basic unit, founded on the sacrament of marriage and the transmitter from one generation to another of morality, religion, tradition, and property. The left sees the family as an oppressive institution that must be destroyed, mutilated, and defamed. 4. The left hates the institution of marriage defined as the union of one man and one woman to the exclusion of all others, open to children and responsible for their education. The left hates marriage because it reinforces morality instead of favoring free love and sexual deviation. 5. The left hates the church teaching that private property is just and necessary for society's good order. It sees property as a source of inequality and tries to undermine and limit it in any way possible. The left's ideal is to confiscate all private property, 
making it state or collective owned, to further their assertion that, quote, the earth belongs to everyone, unquote. Six, the left hates the church's hierarchical nature. It teaches the Christ-established division between a teaching church, the Pope, bishops, and priests, which teaches, governs, and sanctifies the faithful, and the learning church, the faithful themselves, which allows itself to be taught, governed, and sanctified by the clergy. Instead of seeing in this division the path to heaven, the left sees a class of oppressors to be crushed and another of oppressed in need of liberation. Thus, the left likes to promote class struggle inside the church. 7. The left hates the church's charity, which seeks to harmonize society, uniting all in love of God and neighbor. The left, however, wants class struggle and strife. It espouses hatred and violence as the natural means to change society. 8. The left hates the Catholic teaching on sin because it affirms the existence of a higher law and a God who deserves to be obeyed. Moreover, it hates the church teaching that people are responsible for their acts and that these have consequences, which can be eternal damnation and punishment. Thus, the left denies free will and individual responsibility. It ascribes all blame for evil to social structures that must be overthrown. 9. The left hates the church's love of the poor, which seeks to alleviate the sufferings of the unfortunate instead of inciting them to revolt against those who have more. The left hates the gratitude which the church teaches the poor must have toward those who help them. It sees this gratitude as humiliating and oppressive. 10. The left hates the concept of the immortal soul that makes each human being uniquely endowed with God-given dignity. The left says that the soul is a myth and treats people as mere biological matter to be used and abused in its revolutionary processes. 11. The left hates the notion of grace, whereby a person participates in God's uncreated divine life and becomes capable of supernatural acts. The left's egalitarian philosophy hates dependency, especially dependency on God and supernatural life. 12. The left hates liturgy, whereby individuals render official worship and praise to God through the church with all her rites, ceremonies, prayers, and sacraments. It hates this recognition of God's infinite superiority, which it considers oppressive. It desires a God on equal terms with humanity and a so-called democratic people's church without priesthood or liturgy. 13. The left hates the church's proclamation of the truth and her office as its guardian. 
all is relative and evolving for the left, and therefore objective and immutable truth does not exist. 14. The left hates beauty. Wherever the left dominates, one finds ugliness enshrined in its buildings, art, and culture. This is because leftists deny the metaphysical foundations of beauty and embrace stark and utilitarian materialism. 15. The left hates the church teaching on human nature, sanctification, and identity. Thus, there is a constant attempt to re-engineer human nature and create the so-called new socialist man. Leftists try to deconstruct identity, gender, and being. The left embraces fantasies disconnected from reality. 16. The left hates the notion of Christian order guided and inspired by church teaching and God's higher law. Such an order instills terror in the leftist soul, which rebels against any attempt to order society according to principles and rules suited to human nature. The left hates discipline and effort, even when they lead to happiness. Its society is liberal, anarchical, and disordered, oriented by a vision of the universe that sees everything as the chaos of matter in constant motion. Such a perspective leads to despair. 17. The left hates reality as embraced by the Church and its Thomist philosophy. The most radical schools of the left see reality as an oppressive structure or a social construct. The left subscribes to idealistic philosophies, drugs, and deconstruction as the means to deny reality and embrace utopianism and nihilism. The above list is not complete. Given that the leftist worldview encompasses every field of human action where the Church has influence, many more hatreds could be identified. Likewise, not all leftists embrace equally the hatreds listed above. The drift leftward is a process that adapts to individual characteristics. However, all leftists tend in the direction of these hatreds of the Catholic faith. The radical left now so active in America will take these hatreds to an extreme. They seek to make these hatreds the norms by which their brave new world will operate. Their use of violence, riots, and vandalism give a glimpse into this world. The symbolic display of guillotines at protests and during residential area terror marches points to an anti-Christian, anti-Western set of hatreds never before seen in America. The left is not a political movement or a political party. It is a philosophical, religious worldview that expresses itself socially, economically, politically, scientifically, artistically, educationally, and culturally. Thus, to be fully efficacious, opposition to the left and its programs must be based on the solid understanding that its worldview 
is diametrically opposed to that of the Catholic faith. This concludes, all Christians must fight anti-Catholicism in the modern world. Thank you for listening. Return to Order, of which this podcast is a part, strives to be a source of light in a dark and disordered world. Your prayers are appreciated. We publish a new episode every week as Tuesday becomes Wednesday at midnight. You can hear our program in two ways. The first is to subscribe through your favorite podcast provider. Another is to go to our website, www.returntoorder.org, and click on the podcast link at the top of the page, which will take you to a list with the most recent podcast on top. Listeners can help Return to Order be more effective by giving us a five-star rating with their favorite podcast service. Subscriptions and high ratings mean that more people will find the Return to Order moment online. We would also like to recommend Mr. John Horvath's book, Return to Order. It is available as a free download on our website, www.returntoorder.org, or in printed and recorded form through our bookstore. All rights are reserved. Copyright 2023 by the American Society for the Defense of Tradition, Family, and Property, TFP.